0: Look, I'm a big believer that experience teaches. My goal with this show is to have guests to share their experience so that they can tell you what it's like, what they did right, and what they did wrong. And I'm going to share the same. Look, I'm not trying to regurgitate stuff you can find on the internet. I'm going to tell you how it really is and what it's really like to own your own place. This is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast with your host Kyle and Sarah. Welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. I'm your host Kyle and Sarah, and this is the number one and fastest growing podcast for independent restaurant owners in the country. That's it, the country, the universe. We're getting a little bit out of out of hand. Okay, let's just let's just keep it peaceful right now. Everything's going on. I don't want to start any shit with anybody. So, but I will say, in the country, because we're, we're skyrocketing. We're, we're we're like double espressos with a Red Bull. That's what we're looking to do here. So um, thank you for coming back. If it was your first time here, welcome to the show. And you joined at a good time because I've been talking about it. We enjoyed it officially last week. But the National Restaurant Owners Network is live. So it's available through the link in my bio. Just click the link there. It'll guide you right right how to sign up. And basically, I mean, you guys know how these networks work, right? It's, we are, that's weird, how these networks work, how these networks function, is that what you would say, I guess? You get get the point. Um, This is a community of restaurant people. That's all it is. And it's something that you can tap into at any time and be like, hey, real quick, anybody deal with this? Anybody deal with that? Or does anyone know how to do this? Whether it's an operational question, a, um, you know, equipment question, a just a general, you want to bitch and moan about something that's going on and you want somebody to understand what you're going through. This is that network. So um, it's a national restaurant owners network. There is a fee. Okay, guys, it's $35 a month. What is that? Like a dollar a day, a little over a dollar a day for access to people and professionals in the industry who can actually help your business. So I am doing everything I can to provide value in that space. I have other folks begging me to do live events to do um, a- anything in there to add additional value to the independent restaurant community. So we're just kind of organizing all that stuff and we'll launch something I would say in the next week or so um, on a consistent basis. So keep an eye out for that. Um, if you have any issues signing up, please DM me on my personal Instagram or on the podcast Instagram and we will get it taken care of. But it is, I mean, in my mind, look, $35 a month is really the cost to keep everything running. This is not a money-making opportunity. This is a way to just really take the podcast and bring these connections to to real real life, right? To have a two-way conversation. So there it is. The network's live. We've had a few folks, a good amount of folks, I think we're almost... We have about 50 of us in there now, so that's pretty cool. And um, yeah, check it out. Um, also, one more time, please, please, please support the sponsors. I think one, you, one sponsor I'm going to call out right now that you guys are sleeping on because it seems a little too out there is Tap the Table. Guys, this is, I don't even know what, what the what the charge is, but he's going to give you some months free. or I think it's like two months free check it out. Check it out for free. It's automation for your social media. It is making your chat and your DMS. You can order from it. You can have it just communicate as you doesn't sound like a robot. You put in you type everything you, you manually put in your language, you put in your phrasing, your little catchphrases, things that people will realize that it's you and trust me we've said it before digital communication is now the same as in-person communication <clears throat> excuse me if you're getting dms from your customers and you're either a ignoring them or b responding to them like three days later or a week later not cool there's an expectation that you're gonna we there's an expectation What is wrong with me today there's an (laughs) expectation that you're gonna get back to them almost immediately so this takes that off your plate you can go about your day knowing that tap the table will take care of those conversations so check them out it's my boy ryan he is probably one of the not probably to me the smartest mind that i've spoken to in the restaurant tech space so check it out tap the table um but today We've got another restaurateur, well-established restaurateur. My man, George Atterbury, is opening up in Miami any day now. And really cool concept called Claw in Miami. And they have actually taken something that's pretty rare, which is a historical property down there. There not too many historical properties like this that can be converted. Um, It's the former Miami Women's Club. And it's in that, like... In the vein of like that burger and lobster type of thing but it's king crab and dry aged meats from nebraska and they have this legendary designer who put the space together looks absolutely gorgeous um but george's a northeast guy got a very very impressive resume and, and pedigree um so check out his story listen to what it takes to open up a restaurant the tail end of a pandemic right in a super hot market um always think there's something to learn right and this this is a great this is a great episode and a real world story where it takes to get a space like this up and running and bring your pen and paper all right all right guys this is george atterbury from claw restaurant in miami i am going to keep it real with you guys a lot of you need a new website a lot of you, and by a lot, I mean most of you need a new website, which is why I partnered with Bento Box to help you do just that. They provide uh, a full service setup that brings agency level design online in days at a fraction of the cost. And just because you're a listener of the show, you can also receive 50% off your setup fees by clicking the link in my bio and entering the code FOU6 in the How Did You Hear About Bento Box section. Again, that's code FOU6, Bento box. own your presence, own your profits, own your relationships. Tap the Table is the world's fastest online ordering platform. Sell your food, merch, and event tickets fast and frictionlessly on the most popular social media channels, including Facebook and Instagram. Converting comments into customers is what made Tap the Table famous in the F&B tech space. Tap the Table allows your restaurant to automatically convert the comments you get on social media into cash build your list and own your data with tap the table your supercharged social media will automatically begin working for you by building your own list and allowing you to own your own data automatically build that list through direct sales on social media and even through third-party delivery services like uber eats and doordash for a risk-free 60-day trial dm me ttt for a special promo code today Hey guys, welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. It is December 7th, 2021, and today I have George Atterbury, georging me, oh my God, joining me today (laughs) uh, from Miami, Florida. George is with Claw Restaurant, and we're going to get into his story a little bit. George, thanks for uh, taking the time today. No, of course. Thanks. uh,
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So George, just informed me that it's like 70 degrees with not a, Cloud in the sky in Miami, so we're already off to a bad start. Um, but I see, I need, I need to live in warm weather, and until my daughter graduates high school, I'm stuck here uh, in in Greenwich, Connecticut. Until then, so um, so, what's going on, George? Tell me, tell, tell us how you got started in this crazy business. Yeah, I think that
1: um, you know, I, I got, I was really lucky, or not lucky, or maybe some people would say unlucky. But uh, you know, my family's in the wholesale meat business in Philadelphia, where I'm from, and you know, I kind of was just uh, ingrained into it. I was the first one in my family to go to college. And, you know, I think I'd always been in and around restaurants and hotels growing up my whole life. And, um, you know, I, I, I literally fell into it. I was an art major with a minor in art history. I thought I was going to go into design. And, um, you know, I moved home and a couple years later I was working for, uh, you know, an offshore casino based out of, out of Costa Rica. And so I was always in restaurants and hotels and doing a lot of entertaining. And I just kind of caught the bug, you know, and I figured, you know, I love being in restaurants and um, enjoy great food and and great environments to be in. And, you know, I kind of just fell into it. A friend of our families was opening a restaurant. and They were like, hey, we need someone we can trust. And I was like, well, I've worked in restaurants, but I've never necessarily managed. And, you know, and that's kind of how I, uh,
0: you know, scraped my teeth in the business. So is your family still in the meat business, or is that a done deal? No, we are. We we, we still. It's a, it's a wholesale meat business, and we
1: have a very small retail side as well.
0: So that's been um, that's been tough lately, right? I mean, the beef prices, all the meat prices have been a challenge. Chicken, for sure. I mean, it, it's you know,
1: it's it's the the business has been around for a very long time. You know, since my uh, mom moved over from Italy. So, um, you know, we've we've had the business a long time, and we've you know, again, have had you know, once we weathered the know whether the pandemic and the issues around that but now you know it's as you know the the restaurant industry is 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 booming in miami at least and i think around you know the united states now but the 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 pricing of product right now is you know puts a lot of stress on on those wholesale businesses whether it's you know vegetables or
0: proteins or seafood of any sort yeah paper too i already is like going through the roof crazy so are you so now I think that's helpful that you have that, that side of the business experience, right? Like you can relate to what's going on that side. I think a lot of operators don't really quite get it, but to have that perspective, I think is a huge benefit for you as you try to run your business.
1: Yeah. I think for me, it's, you know, it has been,
0: you know, I, I
1: think also knowing the back end of, of what that takes from a service perspective, having, you know, a, a supplier that you're dealing with on a day to day basis. And it's,
0: like our business and,
1: and most businesses that are driven by human capital, it's it's really about the relationships. So I think that's where I've, you know, I've, I've benefited the most from, yeah. you know, the, it, I mean, the pennies and the dollars, yes, it's important to understand it, but at the end of the day in, in hospitality, it's more about the relationships. Yeah, I agree.
0: So tell me how, so what was your first restaurant job? Uh,
1: my first restaurant job, I yeah, guess, you, somewhere, right? you know, I, Was more of a, you know, it was a hoagie shop in outside of Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, You know, we used to go to this little small beach town growing up called Ocean City, New Jersey. And there was a a family business there. We actually, my family used to supply the the sandwich shop with uh, meat. So they were looking for someone that to work in a, you know, in the dish room. You know, and it was a family business that had been open for 60 years at the time. It was called Fall Tacos Hoagies, still open. And, uh, you know, I started working there in the back in the dish area. Um, It was a family run business. So literally, I think they had about 15 employees were all direct family members. Oh, wow. So that was my first like real, real job in a restaurant.
0: So, yeah, you really learned the business
1: that way. For sure. You know, okay. I think it's, you know, it, I think a lot of people skip that step in today's awesome. day and age and hospitality. And, you know, I think that really gives you a, a true foundation of um, the amount of work and energy that actually you know goes into a restaurant.
0: Yeah, I think I still think it's, you know, one of the best things, not that everybody has to start in the dish pit, but to see what actually goes down there. You know, too often, particularly back of the house, right? Like these guys want to come in and be the chef from day one. And they have no respect for what goes on there. I've always thought. I mean, I started in the in the in the dish pit myself, but I also, in my career, would make it a point to connect with the dishwashers first because they are the heart and soul of that place, and they they know everything that's going on there. Now. Yeah, you know, it's, I I couldn't agree more. I think you know, it's the the the
1: dishwashers and the porters and the individuals that you know that's that's the backbone of a restaurant. You know, that's yeah. the hardest job you're standing around, you're in wet conditions, you're standing around, you know, a sink with chemicals and hot water and, you know, these dish machines where the temperatures rise over two to 300 degrees, Um, it's humid, it's plates, it's dirty, it's unsanitary. So it's, you know, those are, that is a very, very difficult job.
0: Yeah, and you can tell somebody's character by how they treat the dishwasher too, right? And if they're throwing plates around. Literally. I could not
1: have said it any better than that.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, that's thankless job, but you know what? A buddy of mine here in Stanford, he has a uh, very successful two restaurants next to each other. He farms everybody through the dish pit. So he's like, I don't want to try to find lycos. cooks. I want to grow them organically and he's been very successful with that. Yeah, and that's a you know, that's a great
1: philosophy I think that
0: you know, it's it's a great way to
1: do it. I think it's really starting from the bottom and if you can you know, you find these individuals that really understand it and want to do it that way and say, hey, this is how you're going to start and you're going to work your way through the system. Yeah. Um, it gives you, one, a, a much better inherent knowledge of what happens, but also I think it, it humbles a lot of people because they don't
0: they don't really necessarily understand
1: or grasp how difficult it can be.
0: Oh, yeah, it'll, it'll pound some humility into you, that's for sure. So, so you work at the sub, the sub shop, you probably weren't like, Oh, this is awesome. I want to make a career out of this. Tell me what your next step was. And cause I know it's a little bit of a roundabout story, but ha- tell me what your next step was from there. Um, you know, that was more of a summer job that I
1: worked there for four years, literally the day we got out of school cause I didn't want to work for my family. Um, yeah. I had worked at our meat plant, but you know, working with family, you know, I kind of wanted to break away and do my own thing. It's, it's, Riddle. you know, it's, it's very, very difficult. Um, you know, from there, you know, I think, you know, just getting through high school and then into college, you know, I had some, you know, on, on breaks, I would, I would work at the meat plant just cause when you had, I don't know, 10 to 15 days, you know, just for some extra money, yeah. whether it was butchering or, or sweeping, uh, you know, the back areas of the, of the parking lot of where we, where we had our facility. Um, you know, it wasn't really until when I moved back to Philadelphia, And I'd worked for the first real restaurant that I managed. You know, I, the first restaurant that I really managed was this um, Asian-ish restaurant. It was kind of a fusion. I worked with um, the two owners were two childhood best friends. One had, um, you know, made a ton of money selling uh, beauty supplies in Philadelphia. And then the other one worked on Wall Street. And they both, you know, the one that worked on Wall Street came back to Philadelphia and they thought it was a great idea to open a restaurant uh as best friends and you know i realized that i caught the bug but i didn't want to be up i didn't want to be working in a restaurant that you were there till four in the morning counting yeah, no. cash you know yeah. so i literally there was one restaurant tour in philadelphia by the name of neil stein and he owned two very high-end restaurants and i literally got dressed in the suit one day waited outside his restaurant for him to walk out And the one day that I did that, he was on his phone and he walked up and down uh, this main street in Philadelphia called Walnut Street, which was called Restaurant Row, and waited for him to get off the phone. And I just approached him, introduced myself, told him I wanted to come work for him and talk to him, Uh, set up an interview the next day. I met the GM and him. And within like seven days, you know, he had hired me and I ended up going to work in this a uh, restaurant called Stripe Bass, which was uh, you know a very well-known restaurant yeah. at the time.
0: Yeah, I've actually been there. I've actually eaten. Are they, are they still open? They were open not too long ago, anyway. No, they closed. He
1: sold the restaurant. Um, well, he didn't sell it, but it was taken over by another restaurateur by the name of Steven Starr. Oh yeah, it was a very large restaurateur. Um, but the gentleman I work for kind of lost his lost his empire. Mm. But he was, you know, it's. It's you know, I tell people this all the time. That restaurant tour that I work for taught me the most. Oh yeah. Because it wasn't what of what to do, but it was of what not to do.
0: Oh my god. I so I I same exact experience. Well, similar. I I learned way more at restaurants that were not successful than I did at Successful. Right. Like, oh yeah, this that's of course that's not supposed to be done. Right. Like, but at the ones where you're like maybe you're Has to do something that you're not really so great at doing, so you have to like, you okay? I have to do this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna learn it, and then you just see things, and you're like, and then you see the effect, and you're like, okay, I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to be a partner. Like when I first, when you just said the two best friends opened a restaurant, my like I gotta chill up my spine because I know that story very rarely ends well too. It it did not end well for those two.
1: But you know the restaurant tour I worked for. Listen, it, it had a great wine program. The chef had worked at La Bernardin for seven years under Prepare. It was a very serious restaurant. And um, you know the restaurant tour, the guy didn't miss any detail. You know he knew everything. Knew what was always going on in the restaurant. Knew how he wanted his restaurant to sound. How he wanted it to feel. How he wanted it to smell. He knew exactly how the service wanted it to be. Um, you know, and but his, uh, from the other side of the business side, he, some of his accounting practices and, you know, how he used his restaurant as his own little, um, you know, personal bank account, you know,
0: at, at the end of the day called up to him. That is the, that is like, like such a classic story, right? Like they're like, oh, we did $30,000 tonight. You know, we're doing $100,000 a week. Yeah. It's not your money, man. It's yeah. It was, you know what? It was like
1: for me, it was like, it was like, it was almost like a year in graduate school. Of what not oh, yeah. doing in a restaurant you know when Absolutely. finally when the restaurant was uh you know raided by the irs and the treasury department <laughs> kind of, when i knew it uh you know it all came to a very quick
0: end i'm gonna guess you didn't pay your taxes yeah i mean that's um it's, it's dude, what's crazy about that and i was just talking to my wife about this the other day she's like what happened to that restaurant i'm like they got shut down because they didn't pay taxes and it's crazy because <laughs> you have like literally a hundred opportunities to fix it. Like they and, stay, he, you know, and literally, crazy. literally he did. And he had a,
1: you know, he had, I mean, the revenues were over $30 million of his, of multiple restaurants. God. So it wasn't like a small company. Yeah. No. Um, you know, he just, he got greedy and damn,
0: called yeah, out, definitely out. Learned a lot there. You're like, okay, I don't want to. Yeah. So from, from there, I ended up actually going
1: to the four seasons hotel oh. company ended up running uh, their food and beverage, um, department at the four seasons in in philadelphia so that was kind of my last two years of graduate school
0: yeah yeah, let's get everything back to even keel here they got everything together they're not exactly and that was you know for me that was
1: what really rounded out my experience as a you know in hospitality really in understanding the way um the four seasons runs and how they train their managers and from the financial capabilities to the human resources to you know it basically A to Z in hospitality and how it should be handled and service standard and hospitality standard. So it was, you know, I was, I was very, very fortunate.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like the best of both worlds. You like learned like in the trenches of so this place that's like on fire. And then you went to a place where like, we've got it all figured out. We're going to show you exactly how to find Yeah. And the, and the four seasons where
1: I was, it was one of the five original four seasons. And when um, I worked for the four seasons, this is a, obviously a very long time ago, but, Isidore Sharp still owned the company before he sold his shares. So it was, wow. you know, I was really fortunate to get to see him speak quarterly at the hotel. And it was, um, you know, it was, it was a, it was a great experience for me as, you know, someone that was very young in the business. That's cool.
0: So then you're at the Four Seasons and then what, what, what is the next step after that? I mean, you're pretty, you know, much- for me, it's like I hit
1: my ceiling in Philadelphia
0: and uh, you know, I started interviewing
1: around, I wanted to get out of Philadelphia and, You know, I was, I started to look at New York and San Francisco and, you know, interview got two really great opportunity, one great opportunity to go to San Francisco. Another one was in New York city. And you know, my sisters lived in New York. It was close to home. My mom still lived in Philadelphia. So it was kind of very comfortable for me just to, to, you know, pack up and and move to New York city where I ended up living for, um, you know, 10 years in New York. Oh, wow. And you worked for,
0: so I ended up going
1: to open a restaurant called The Modern, which is in Midtown. I worked for a restaurateur by the name of Danny Meyer, um, which was, you know, really, uh, you know, again, it's just a, a life changing experience for me and someone that, you know, had really taught me the true meaning of hospitality and yeah. taking care of your employees. Yeah. Um, You know, that's an individual that, uh, you know, I learned a great deal from, you know, I had to take a step backwards to to take the opportunity to go work for him. Um, Probably the best move I've ever done in my career to really take a couple steps back in order to really uh, take a couple steps forward. And it also allowed me to realize I didn't know as much as I really thought.
0: Yeah. I always said if I was, you know, like a teenager back in the day, put Michael Jordan posters on your wall, I would have Danny Meyer. On my wall because his he just talks so effortlessly about hospitality and it just connects like people don't get it right they don't they think that hospitality is like look look how nice we are we brought you a drink that's not hospitality there's a big difference between service and hospitality it is you know
1: he um you know it's people always say you know there is you know there is a a large distinction between service and hospitality you know where service is a function hospitality Mm -hmm. is 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 how it makes you feel yep you know, and in order to run a really successful business that's driven by so much human capital, no matter what you do, you know, that service and the hospitality have to, you know, have to work in tandem. And when they do, you can feel it and you can sense it. And, you know, those are the type of human businesses that you will always go back to.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's, the, to me, I think that's when everything got shut down and people were like, well, I guess, you know, grocery stores are going to be so busy. going to have to cook at home. But I was like, This is, yeah, I mean, that's probably true, right? We're going to have to eat to sustain ourselves. But what's really going to be tough is if we can't get back into restaurants at a reasonable time because the connectivity and the way they make you feel like going out with friends and all that stuff, that's what was the toughest part to me. Yeah, no, of
1: course, because it's, you know, it's funny. Danny Meyer always used to say it's, you know, you can go to a restaurant and have a four-star experience and eat the best food and have the best glass of wine and get the best technical service and, but no one's smiling at you. No one's, you know, showing you to the bathroom or pulling out your chair, you know, doing all the little human touches where he would say, I'd rather go to a restaurant that maybe has, you know, good food, but that you walk in and there's someone at the door, they're smiling and they remember your name and they remember the table where you sat. And it just, it makes you feel good to be there. And he would always say, I'd rather go to one of those restaurants that it make me feel warm and happy and, and comfortable. Oh, yeah. Versus is going into a a cold place where the food might be amazing, but you're not getting that, you know, the human human contact.
0: Yeah, that connection is everything. I mean, I I don't give a shit how good the food is if everyone who works there is a dick to you. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, I don't don't, (laughs) – everyone loves it. Like, who cares? There's plenty of restaurants where where people are just
1: complete dicks.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then you, you want me to come back here? No, I'm good. Um, so now the modern I'm very familiar with, and how long were you, you were in New York for 10 years? You, you were Danny Meyer the whole time?
1: No, no, I,
0: you know, I wasn't, I ended up um, going
1: to work for uh, Tom Clickio, who had a company called Crafted Hospitality, um, you know, who, you know, was Danny Meyer's original partner at Gramercy Tavern. And uh, you know, ended up going to work for for Tom for a number of years as well, which was you know, um, you know Tom was more of kind of the rock and roll side of of the hospitality. He you know just an individual that to this day I still speak to, and someone that you know really believed in me. And you know, we went through when I worked for Tom. You know, we went through you know in 2008 when the markets tumbled. You know, we had to kind of really change. Our business model and what we did, especially at the flagship restaurant, which was Craft. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a private dining room in there that was, you know, 50 seats, and that was a huge part of our business. You know, especially of a dinner-only restaurant. Um, you know, and Tom had a, you know, at the time his CEO was a woman by the name of Katie Greco, and we all basically just came in the room and were like, all right, well, we're going to lose all of our private dining business. What, what are we going to do with the space? Yeah, like it's a huge, you know, it was over almost 40% of our business, Mm. you know, and, and Tom, we all kind of came up with these two different ideas that we were going to open the private dining room, which had its own entrance, had its own kitchen, had its own little, you know, six seat bar, beautiful space. And we launched two different dinner series and one was called Damon frugal Fridays. And that was all food and drinks under $9. And that was, you know, the, We had our corporate chef at the time was a gentleman by the name of Damon Wise. And we ran this little event on Fridays and it was nine dollar food and bites. And we just kind of cranked the music and opened the front doors and ran it that way. And then on Tuesdays we had something called Tom Tuesday, Tom Tuesdays, which was uh anywhere from eight to ten course um tasty menu at 350 a head. So we did two very different we did two different very variations of what we you know used our private dining room as and it's just it kept us it kept us out in the front in the in the public eye and on social media of doing something different and be kind of flexed and um, you know it's one of the reasons you know why you know Tom has been so successful no matter what he does is you know he's very uh, quick to adapt and change and um, you know he's a you know, a, a, a really,
0: really strong businessman
1: when it comes to to kind of keeping himself out there.
0: So Tom Clancy was actually one of my my favorite, uh, most memorable uh, stories when I came out of culinary school. I went to the French Culinary Institute in downtown, uh, off of Broadway, and uh, we were finishing up. and I was working at a restaurant in Hoboken and um, calling around for jobs. Right, like, hey, I want to get, I want to work here, I want to work here. And he was just kind of one of the names that was. Um, definitely on the scene. This was like 2003, 2004, where, a place where you wanted to work. And I called there and I had just trailed at another restaurant previously at John George's restaurant, Vong. And yeah. he said, can you come in tomorrow? I'm on the phone with him called call them. He's, can you come in tomorrow for a trail? So I'm working at a place. I can't come up with another bullshit dentist excuse right for my trail the next day. You know, <laughs> I just used that excuse. So I was like, actually, can can I do it next week? And he's like, next week is... Uh, or could, can he's like, can you do it Friday? I'm like, I can't do, I can't leave on a Friday to do a trail. And he says, do you fucking want to work here or not? <laughs> I was like, uh, no, I don't. So that was that's my Tom Clicheo story. Yeah, that that is that is
1: classic Tom. <laughs> literally classic Tom. He would like literally if I, if I would piss him off in his office, we'd be sitting there. You know, he just be like, you know what, you're pissing me off. Get the fuck out of my office. We'll talk later. <laughs> But he like, you know, for Tom, like when I worked for him, he also was on top chef and he just started producing and, you know, that's where he really started to take off with, you know, on the production and the filming side of top chef. But Tom, like he was still a guy that would walk in and shell top Adidas. Yeah. Sneak, you know, shorts and a ripped t-shirt and a hat on backwards. Yeah. Like he didn't care.
0: I I like it. I, I mean, I, 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 Like at the time, I was like, fuck this guy. But now I'm like, I respect that. That's, you know, straight shooter, I guess, right? You know, and like he, I've seen him in restaurants
1: where employees were, you know, not being treated well by guests. And we, someone would tell him and he would hear about it. And if he was in the restaurant, he would walk over to the table with a check, drop it on the table and be like, get out of my restaurant. You're not going to treat my staff that way.
0: I love that. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, he was, you know, he
1: he embodied employees come first. Wow.
0: That's great. I mean, so literally he was like, if, if
1: he would say to me, he's like, if we don't treat our employees better than our guests, then how's this going to work?
0: Yeah. It's the most
1: simple formula, you know, and he and like for a while it didn't register with me, you know, cause you think when you are coming up in hospitality, it's guests is always first. Mm-hmm. Guess is always right. It doesn't matter. But then like, you know, it's just, the more he would, we would talk about it, it, like embodies you. And now that that little bit that you have to treat your employees better than your guests has stuck with me since then.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, clearly you've had some very impressive mentors. So let's uh, fast forward. Well, I know you have. So so then you left the hospitality space, right? You left for a minute to do something different.
1: Yeah, I I had I had left for I had left for a while to kind of. Um, I went to the kind of the private equity side of of, of hospitality and, and more of the, the funding side of it. Hmm. But then it just you know it kind of pulled me back in. I miss the, the energy of a restaurant. I miss you know the biggest thing what I love about restaurants and the people is the ability that you of the people that you meet, but also you have the ability to to change people's lives. You know exactly. to to give them either a more improved skill set to change their financial abilities. But also just to mentor someone that you know that you're they're gonna basically be able to take on the knowledge, and it doesn't necessarily have to be restaurant inherent knowledge, but just as a human yeah. on how to kind of fold that into their into their own lives.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, I what I love about my daughter's not of age to work yet, but I hope that she's gonna work in a restaurant right like one of her first jobs because it teaches you so many skills at once. Like customer service, marketing, how to deal with, you know, being short staffed and you know uh personality and all these kind of things i think rolled up into one and i think it's you can tell somebody who's worked in a restaurant before right like you can sniff it out on them like oh you've worked in a restaurant they hold the door for you they like yeah i love that i it's yeah. the same i mean i do that i have two children and me. mine are young
1: mine are only nine and seven but i do the same thing with them at home like after dinner sweeping the floors like putting the dishes away oh, like drying the plates
0: I'm going to send my daughter to you. She's 14. I can't get her to barely do. Oh my God. You know what I do? It's
1: it's the best trick. I'll take like a dollar or $5 and I rip it in half
0: (laughs) and I give them half of it. And
1: I said, this is, here's your list. And I write it down. I said, when you're done, I'll give you the other half. And here's, here's the scotch tape and you can tape it together as well.
0: (laughs) That's great.
1: Maybe I shouldn't say I'm all that on the podcast. No,
0: <laughs> oh, please. That's your, you're good. That's a, that's a, that's a parenting tip. We're going to market this parenting tips from George Atterbury. Yeah. That, right. I like that one. It, it works well. <laughs> so now you've got claw in Miami. You're going to put this all together, all these experiences all together and you guys open now or what's, what's going on there? Yeah. So about? it looks like we're probably going to
1: open up. We've had some construction delays. Um, yeah. Sometimes things in Miami don't move very fast
0: yeah um but
1: you know I'm, I'm really fortunate that you know i have a very patient partner um you know we'll be open at the end of january it looks like we're just waiting our, on our um temporary certificate of occupancy and once we take the space over we'll be able to get in there we'll probably get it right before christmas um push through the holidays and then really start you know a strong recruiting uh after the first of the year so the timing it's not the best, but it's not the worst. So, right. but we feel very confident in, in our in the concept of Claw and uh, really being able to you know to 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 you know extend it into the market, which we're excited, very excited about.
0: Yeah, it's a unique concept. So, can you talk a little bit about the concept itself? Yeah, the name of the restaurant is Claw Restaurant. It is
1: going to be. I hate to use the term, but it's it's a surf and turf. Mm-hmm. But we are flying in uh, live Norwegian king crab. Uh, So in the restaurant and outside the restaurant, we have a a separate building that will house the crab. We have two 2,000 gallon uh, saltwater tanks that will house the crab. We also have another uh, 1,000 gallon tank that's kind of guest facing that the guests will be able to see live um, king crab from Norway. Wow. Um, And then on the other side of this is we have a very specific um, meat program. So all dry-aged meats coming from, uh, we've partnered with two very specific farms, one down in North Carolina, another one out in Nebraska. Uh, we have Japanese Wagyu as well. Uh, and we're working with two other cattle farmers over in London right now, in Berkshire, that we will have, that will encompass kind of the meat program. Hmm. Uh, within the, you know, it, it is, um, it's product-driven restaurant, right? So we're gonna serve fresh king crab, which is pretty rare in the United States. And then we have on the other side is uh, our dry aged meat program. Um, You know, and that's kind of the basis of the, of the concept is really having the best product that you can serve. There will be a raw uh, component, oysters, caviar. You will have ceviches, uh, a mix of salads. And then we, you also have kind of some of your, your traditional sides of hand cut French fries, Uh, we've partnered with a couple of local farms down here at a homestead in Florida on, on being driven to have that seasonal seasonal vegetable product as well.
0: Nice. So higher end sort of concept, obviously where are you guys located? So we are in
1: Edgewater, which is in Miami
0: right outside of Wynwood.
1: It's in one of the oldest buildings in Miami called the women's club. Um, the building was, um, constructed in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a six-floor building. We have the top three floors. The Miami Women's Club will be on the third floor, which is a, uh, a women's club that they have one in Edgewater, where our space is. They have one in uh, Coconut Grove in Miami Beach. And then the bottom floor will be another restaurant um, owned and operated by a gentleman by the name of uh, David Grumman, who
0: owns Groot Hospitality. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's he's been on fire during this whole time. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he is. Uh, you know, he their concepts. He's
1: very successful. He's 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 very fortunate. He is a um, he's a brilliant man. He knows how to. He knows what people want from the nightlife and and uh, you know from the he. I mean, he has he has a great formula.
0: Yeah, and he has a,
1: a lot of you know. I think what you know, like anyone, if kind of. You know what you know and you know what you don't know. Right. You know, and if you're smart enough to do that, which he is, he has a great team around him of people that, you know, can, can, can drive that for him.
0: He can be the idea guy and they're like, okay, thanks, idea guy. This is how we're going to actually make it happen. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's brilliant. I mean, yeah. he's a, mar- he's a marketing genius. Yeah. I love, I love what he does. I saw something, yeah, the Coconut Grove space was, was the sign was up and now I think it's open last time I was there. So, um, is it yeah, he's opening a, a concept over there called the Key Club. Yeah. yeah, very cool. So, how was it building a restaurant during the pandemic? I mean, you said you have some delays, but I gotta imagine there's more to that story. It is. I mean, it, it, it's
1: been extremely challenging. You know, I think that you know the lease was signed in 2016, um, but it, it's been like like any like like any business right now. The the labor pool. Um, materials um you know we have major problems with the contractors just being able to have enough people on on the construction site yeah i know you know there's a lot of mill work in this restaurant we've been struggling to keep that on schedule um you know it's it's the supply chain issue it's you know it's like even getting china glass and silverware it's been impossible uniforms it's it's fragmented. It's broken. It's, you know, we can get it there in 10 weeks where typically you'd get it in a week.
0: Yeah. You know, it took
1: us two months to find enough silverware for the restaurant of a pattern that we actually liked. Wow. Anytime we chose one, we'd call, they'd be like, sorry, we can't get that. We can only get a certain amount of forks, not enough knives, not enough spoons versus. So it's been, it's been very, very, it's been very difficult.
0: Yeah, it's it's been, I I continue to hear horror stories. I mean, I feel like they're getting a little bit better, but I've heard things like year delays for fryers. I know a caterer over here waiting 18 months for a dance floor. It's been, I mean, literally our coffee
1: supplier said they had, our equipment was in a shipping container that was sent from LA to Mexico. So the owner of the shipping container emptied the contents, (laughs) took his container and shipped it back to LA so it's like you know it's 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 yeah. you know i think it's any business right now is, is feeling it
0: yeah so you had mentioned you're going to start your hiring around january 1st what's the best way i mean or, or you tell me how are you guys going to start that process uh of, of looking for yeah no. i mean I, I i think right now the
1: best way for recruiting it's the same thing how we build our management team it's it's your personal connections in the business
0: for sure you yeah. know
1: it's, it's, it's those grassroots of people that you know you know this like in in restaurants it's it's about how you've treated people in the past what your reputation is yeah for sure and again back to what we were saying previous it's it's your relationships you know so I, i've been really fortunate that we have a an amazing management team um you know and i think between their contacts and ours and what we have in the market we have a really strong foundation of a staff but you know, there's. You know, we're looking around to hire around 100 people to start. We're going to be a dinner-only right. restaurant, so we have a lot of work ahead of us. I think for us, it's offering our employees um, benefits. Yeah. Uh, we are we are extending a $300 towards uh, a month for our employee benefits. Uh, Five dollar parking per day, which is my The parking in Miami is. Brutal. Painful, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it's just creating an environment where people want to come to work. Yeah, work is work, and I get it. But at the end of the day, if you're serving great food to your staff for family meals, we're offering benefits. Yeah. We have people treating you. You know, you treat people like you want to be treated. Yeah. You know? I'm, I've been very cautious with who I've hired from a management perspective, knowing that when I'm not there, I want them. You know, I want them to treat everyone just like I would. That's
0: what I expect. Yeah, it's like this whole anytime somebody says to me, like, you know, even friends of mine in the industry who I've you know don't know how they're how they are as operators, right? I just know that they have a restaurant and, and I know them personally. They're like, I can't find anybody to work. I'm like, oh Okay. Yeah, and you're telling me everything I need to know about you. Like because now, you know, I think that as much as this is a self inflicted wound for the industry, I think some operators are making it, you know. Making it their own fault, day in day out, can get out of their own way, and it's their yeah, own, it, own group now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it
1: comes down to, you know, it it comes down to trust, right, yeah. and, and that leadership perspective. Like, you need to you need to build that trust with an employee. They want you to understand what they're thinking, and you need to have an open door. You have, regardless of whether you agree or disagree you still want people, you still want to know where they're coming from. Yeah. You know, and it's accountability and people want to be managed, you know, and they want to be managed in the right way. They want clear direction. Yep. You know, and I think if you can continue to build that culture in your business, um, you know, and it's, people are going to sense that genuine behavior
0: from, from people. Yeah. And I think so much of that stress in the restaurant industry comes from owners, not, or owners and managers, not dictating exactly what they want, not training properly. So they are crying out for that. Like, you know, I want to do the right thing, but I'm getting mixed messages or I'm not getting anything at all. So I'm doing it my own way and you're getting mad at me. And that just creates like a, that is the worst of the worst. That just
1: creates the dissension in the team.
0: Yeah, total. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that,
1: you know, it's, it's building that, you know, I always, look at it. It's like, you know, I I always feel that we don't, I don't like to look at restaurant as like just servers or bartenders or, you know, you're a surfer, right? Yeah. Every wave is different. Every day is different. Every service is different. Every hour is different. You know, and you have to learn how to manage the wave. Yeah. You know, and I, I, and I believe it's the same thing with any business. It's, you know, you, you ride through some tough ones, and you have to address the mistakes that you might make. And it's got to be heartfelt and it's got to be communicated, like kind of what we're going back to what we're saying about, about having that genuine behavior of addressing a mistake when it happens.
0: Yeah, that's, um. it sounds relatively easy, but sometimes in the mix, it just gets kind of all convoluted. And, and- it, it's, it sounds easy, but it's, you know, when you know this, when you're dealing with that much human
1: capital 24 yeah. seven, Tough. It's a very hard thing to balance. Yeah. You know, and I think it's it's praising in public and correcting in private, being clear, giving clear direction, holding people accountable. They might not, you know, if like an employee makes a mistake or a manager makes a mistake like you know, it's they they might not agree with you in that moment what you're telling them, but when they get up or walk away from the table after talking to them, they're going to say, "You know what?" he's right or she's right. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's, you know, that's, that's the key. And in the end it's, it's about consistency.
0: Yeah. You know, it's completely about
1: consistency. And one of the things, you know, what Danny Meyer always said, it's, it's like, you know, a person you have your own little weather system in your brain, you know, what's your weather, what's your weather look like? Is it cloudy and rainy? Is it sunshine? Is it warm? And before you get to work, you have to monitor your own personal weather. And I Mm -hmm. think even more so from a management perspective, you know, you have to be held accountable for your personal weather and you have to be able to kind of shoulder some of that.
0: Yeah, that's, um, I remember somebody I know, or maybe you know her, her name is Jenny Dirksen. She used to work for Jenny Meyer. uh, Of course, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, Jenny, I've lost touch with her since the pandemic and everything, but it was a very good friend of mine. I did a lot of work with No Kid Hungry with her. And she used to, she did like a little training with us. She did like, she came with our, she she, she just brilliant, brilliant, super brilliant. And she would come in and she would like give the, she gave our restaurant, the Danny Meyer, like download in like an hour, like, okay, here's everything. And blah, 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 blah. But she was big on that. Like you're having a shitty day. Like you're, you're having a cloudy, rainy day believe me, no problem. Just go home. We just don't want it here. Just yeah. It. Just we'll see you tomorrow. Everything's cool. Don't worry about any of that. Just go have your bad day somewhere else. Yeah. And that's what they used to
1: call being a skunk. Yeah. You know, they always like,
0: don't be a skunk. You yeah, know, what's yeah.
1: a skunk do? They spread and they spray a terrible
0: smell. Yeah. And if you're a skunk when you come back again, then maybe we have to have a conversation, but yeah, she was, she was great with that stuff. Um, All right. So anybody looking to, I don't want to keep you too long today. So as we wrap up here, anybody looking to possibly work for the restaurant, where's the best place for them to. to So I would just go right
1: to, I would go right to our website, uh, clawrestaurant.com. You can apply right on, uh, on the website. You also, um, we are holding open interviews daily, 10 AM to 5 PM. You know, we're, you have to kind of touch, Every little area in order to find the right people,
0: and we interview you know, we interview nonstop. Wow, yeah. I mean, as soon as the snow falls, I might be applying for a job there. So, <laughs> oh, <my laughs> God. Well,
1: what you should do is come down
0: for the opening, bring the family down. I absolutely will, I will definitely take you up on that. We'll connect offline on that, but that's a great idea. Okay. Um, George, thank you so much. I have your Instagram there. I have the claws uh Instagram there. You guys please feel free to reach out there and follow obviously these uh the restaurant and George and you heard him if you're looking for a job down in Miami, uh they are there 10 to 5 and they want to please. hire you, but don't be a freaking skunk. Okay, we don't need any of that crap. <laughs> no sure skunks. You know, yeah, no skunks. Um George, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate yes, Kyle, it. I appreciate it very much. And I will thank definitely you. be in touch. Take care. Take care. All right, guys. Thanks for checking out episode one hundred and nine with George Atterbury. Also, do not forget join the network. It is linked in the bio. It is linked here in the show notes. Check it out. If you don't like it, if you're in the, if you're in it and you're like this sucks, it's not worth the thirty five bucks, then just drop out. Then just drop out. That's it. But I promise you, you're going to see the value there if you stay engaged and you want to, you know, have access to a community of people who have answers. This is it. So sign up. Link in bio. Hit me up as soon as you're in there. like, hey, Kyle, I heard the podcast. I signed up. You happy now? And I'll say, yes, I am happy. Let's talk about how we can help you. So sign up. Looking forward to seeing you guys there. And if not, still check out the show. I still love you. It's all good. All right, guys. Thanks so much.